Uh, there have been a number of books written in the last years about why people suffer, and people go, people want to figure it out, and they want to say, why do bad things happen to good people? In fact, that was the name of a book. God wrote a book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Some say it's because sin, some say it's because it's a fallen world, some people just say it's just a lot of bad things just happen. Well, this morning we're going to see the widow at Zarephath, that her son dies. And we're going to see what she says about it, what she thinks. So what is going on? What is Elijah going to do? And just remember that God has sent Elijah to the brook, provide and prepare him. Now God sends him to Zarephath, and God is providing, protecting, and preparing. Sometimes we don't think about this. Sometimes being by the brook is being by yourself, and sometimes you say things like, I want God to really use me, and you don't feel like he's using you, but you've got to realize you may be by the brook, and he's preparing you. And then sometimes, you know, we're in situations, and things aren't as good as we wish they were, and they say, well, I want good things to happen, and I want big things to happen. We may not realize it, but God is training us. He's preparing us. He is providing, protecting, and preparing, and that's what he's doing. So we've got to trust God. Last time we saw the amazing thing, the widow had nothing. Elijah came, told her to fix him a meal. She did it, even though that would be the last thing. And he said it will never, it will not run out. The oil will not run out and the flour will not run out. And sure enough, it did not. And we're going to realize that the whole time he lives with that widow, the oil never runs out, uh, runs out and the flour never runs out. And she saw that. Now, this morning, let me give you the outline of the study. We're going to see the death of the son. This is so sad. But this is training, you know, sickness and death, the widow and sin. And then we're going to see Elijah's actions, how he takes the son, the prayer, son is restored. We're going to see all of those things. And what we have to realize is you could say, why did this happen? It's the same thing that the guy born blind in John chapter 9, and they raised the question, why was this man born blind? You know, why do bad things happen? Why do some things happen? Well, we have to trust God because he's using them for his plan. So let's see what happens. Look at Elijah. Uh, excuse me, First Kings 17. We'll start at, down at verse 17 because we've already seen, if, if you remember from last time, he's already taken care. Look at verse 16. Uh, verse 15, she did according to whatever he said in verse 16. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord which he spoke through Elijah. So everything Elijah said came true. Elijah's a prophet of God. This woman on the front end had to trust. Sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we say, I know what God's word says. It doesn't look very good. Things don't look very good. I'm just going to have to trust him, and, and, it's, and it comes to pass just as he says. Now, look at verse 17. Now, it came about that after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, this is the widow, this is, became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. Now, see, what happened? the son got what? He got sick, and what happened to him? He got worse and worse and worse, and it says there was no breath left in him. What does that mean? He died. Now, if you're there, think about it. You're the widow, and what have you done? Have you done anything wrong as far as you know? Have you done everything right? This prophet comes. He told you to do something that was really weird. You know, fix him food first, and you, and, and you did it, and now God is blessing you by every time you look in the bowl, there's the flour. Every time you look in the jar, there's the oil, and you're saying, boy, th things are going really good, and then suddenly, your son... And he's probably about, he could be anywhere from a baby to three to four years old. That we're not sure. That's the way the, the word for the son or the child is. We just don't, you can't tell exactly the age. And so here's what happens. His, he became sick, and his sickness was so severe, there was no breath left in him. Now, sometimes when we say, I'm living for the Lord, and things go bad, and you go, that's not right. If you're living for God, why would this go bad? 
I mean, you could see if you're living bad, things could go bad, but if you're living right, why would something go bad like this? And we're going to see what she thinks. Look at verse 18. So she said to Elijah, What do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. Now, there is a whole bunch in that verse. Here she starts off and she says, What do I have to do with you, O man of God? Well, she literally says, What do we have in common? You know what? She's saying, Look, you're a prophet of God and I'm nothing. What, what do we have to come? What, what's, what's going on? Why did this happen? You are from God, and I am a sinner. That's what she's basically saying. She says, what do I have to do with the old man of God? It's the same thing when the, when the, the demons see Jesus. They'd say, oh, what do you have to do with us now? now? You know, don't send us into torment right now. And so she's saying, when this happens, she's saying, look how bad I am, and look how good you are. What do I have to do with you? You're from God, because I already know that happens, and I'm just a sinner. She believes that her son died because of her sin. She thinks she's bad, and, and, and Elijah's good, and her son dies because of some sin. Notice what she says. You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. She's basically saying, because you're a prophet of God and you serve the living God and you're holy, when you come to me, it brings to remembrance all my bad stuff and my sin, and because of my sin, has put my son to death. She says, my, my sin is remembered. My son is put to death. She thinks her son's death is due to her past sin. Has anything ever happened to you bad and you think it's because of your sin? You know, I'm, well, you know, I've done some bad things. This is why this is happening to me. Or I've done this or I've done that. And, and she thinks that. She thinks this is because of her sin. And so many times when bad things happen to people, people say it must be something. Like if something happens to somebody, say, wonder what that person did. Why do people suffer? Well, let me give you some things that you, you look through the Scripture. Why do people suffer? Why do bad things happen to people? Why is there suffering? The first one, and this is not in any particular order, but is sin. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever is so, you reap. He, reap. Hebrews 12, 6, for whom the Lord loved, he chases and scourges every child he received. Sometimes God disciplines us. And by the way, sometimes discipline has nothing to do with sin. But sometimes we sin and there are consequences to sin. We know that. There always has been, always will be. There are consequences to sin and, and uh, you know, all those different kind of things. When we are, if we are in open rebellion against our Heavenly Father, we can expect sometimes that He will discipline us. So sometimes bad things happen because of sin. Sometimes it's just because you're in a fallen world. And there are other people's actions, and there are unbeliever people, and there's just the whole world is contrary, and somebody gets drunk and runs a light and runs in the side of somebody and hurts somebody. And, and, and sometimes they're just suffering because this is a fallen world. There are people born, and they're born with handicaps. Or, you know, there, there are all kinds of things that just happen just because we live in a world that is cursed. From Adam and Eve, when they ate the fruit, he said, Dying, you shall surely die. He come back, he came back to him and told him, basically, the world is cursed. I mean, there's thorns and thistles. It didn't used to be thorns and thistles. Things grew real well. Now they're not. And, and it's just a fallen world. The third reason is for the glory of God. Sometimes, and we don't think about this, but in John chapter 9, there's a man born blind, and he's going by, and the disciples turn to Jesus, and they say the typical thing, who sinned, this man 
are his parents. And Jesus said neither one of them sinned. None of them sinned. This, this blindness is not because of sin. This blindness is for the glory of God. Because what did Jesus do? Jesus came over, put some stuff on his eyes, told him to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. He went, and it means sent. He goes over there, washes, comes back and sees. And, and, and it's for the glory of God because now this guy could see and, and the religious leaders come up to him and start questioning him. He keeps saying, do you want to believe in Jesus? He's the one that did this. And they get real mad at him. And so it's for the glory of God. Do you remember when Lazarus died? They sent word to Jesus, the one who you love is sick. Jesus waited a number of days before he went. He waited till Lazarus died, and somebody asked something about it. He said, this is for the glory of God. And of course, we know he went and raised Lazarus from the dead. So sometimes things happen to us for the glory of God. Here's another one. For the comfort of others, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 basically says, sometimes we suffer and have, have needs and things and that we learn from them so that when somebody else is experiencing the same thing, we, we can go comfort them because we can say something like, I know what you're feeling. I've, I've been through that myself. And God uses us to comfort others. So sometimes we go through some bad things to comfort others. Then, you know, I don't like any of these things so far, you know, to truth with you. I don't want to suffer at all, and you don't either. The last one is to train believers, to train a believer to trust, to, that we might trust God. He, James 1, 3, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that testing your faith works what? Works patience. It means you trust God. Hebrews 12 talks all about trusting God, trusting God. And so the bottom line is, why do bad things happen? When you look at this passage, had this woman, best that we know, done some kind of sin that would cause her son to die? The answer is, of course not. We don't know anything about her. She says, you brought my sins to remembrance. She says, you're the Holy One of God, and when you came near me, it makes my sin stand out, and that's why my son has died. Well, we already know that it wasn't from her sin, and it wasn't just because she lives in a fallen world, but we're going to see it's for the glory of God. We're going to see that it is an amazing happening. And let me, let me remind you something about suffering, okay? First Peter says, don't be surprised by the trials. Listen, sometimes something happens to us, and we go, how could this happen? And we go, what do you mean, how could this happen? Peter already said in First Peter, don't be surprised by the trials that come into your life. Should we expect trials? I mean, I don't like it, right? Any of you like it? We don't like it, but we know that God uses that to train us up, to prepare us. And, and this is, you know, you, you could look at Elijah in this and he'd go, wait a minute, why are you coming to me? I don't have anything to do with this. I don't have anything to do with your son dying. What am I supposed to do? This is a training for Elijah as well, not just for this woman to trust God but for Elijah to be prepared because if he can deal with the death of a little boy, he can stand before 400 prophets of Baal and declare that there is a true God. If he can see God work in all these things, and he's already seen God bring the water and the birds and the widow and the oil and everything else, he's seen it all already, but he needs more. And this is it. And so the little boy dies. And she says, O man of God, verse 18, you have come to me to bring my sin, my iniquity to remembrance. You've made me remember my sin. You make me realize how bad I am. And to put my son to death, my son is dead because of my sin. That's what she's saying. And there are people that we deal with every day that when bad things happen, they think it's because of their sin. They think it is. They say, well, it's because I'm, I'm just a wretched person, or this is this, you know. Well, look what happens. Wow, and it's so powerful. 
He said, give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom. She's holding him and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. Now, as I said a while ago, the best I can tell about this little boy, it could be a baby, could be three to four years old. I mean, even a three or four year old, she can be holding him, you know. And so she's got him and he says, give, give, him, give him to me. And, so, and he leaves and goes up to an upper room somewhere wherever they're living and, and, and lays him on his bed. Wow. Now remember that Elijah is a man of prayer. Remember he prayed fervently and it has not rained and it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed fervently and the rain came back. What do you think he's going to do in this situation? Notice the next verse, verse 20. And he called to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God. Have you also brought calamity to this widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? He's basically saying, Lord, what are you doing? I I don't understand this. Have you brought calamity to this poor woman? I mean, here she is. I'm, I'm staying with her, and she's been so nice to me, and you commanded her to protect me and feed me, and, and, all that. and now what's happened? You brought all this on and, and causing her son to die. I want you to notice carefully, and always do this when you read the Bible, especially Old Testament. Notice in verse 20, it says, O Lord my God, and if you notice, Lord is all what? All four capitals. That's Y-H-W-H. That's the personal name of God. Just remember that. He's calling on God in a personal way. He's saying, O Lord, O Yahweh, uh, to, to the Lord my God, have you brought calamity on there? Oh, man. And so what we see is that God is working in the events of Elijah's life. What's Elijah going to have to do? What do you think he's going to have to do? What would you say he's going to have to do? He's going to have to trust God, isn't he? I mean, this woman's baby died. But let's say he's two years old. This little two-year-old boy died. And he says to God, oh, God, help me. Have you brought this? Have you brought this? Look, one day, Elijah will have to stand before the prophets of Baal to challenge them and to call down fire from God. If Elijah can trust God in this child's death, he can certainly trust God on Mount Carmel. See, I look at backwards than a lot of people. A lot of people think the biggest event in his life was the prophets of Baal. I think the biggest event in his life is this one, where he has to do something about a little boy that died. Because if he can stand here and trust God and watch something great happen, what's going to happen when he gets to the prophets of Baal on the top of Mount Carmel? It's, It's powerful truth. So look at verse 21. Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray you let this child's life return. Now, have you read that? Did you read what I did? What did he do? He's got the little boy laying on the bed. What does he do? He lays on top of the boy. Does that sound weird to you? I mean, is that what you think would raise somebody from the dead? It's almost as if he's saying, I'm going to put my body heat, my body on top of his little body, and somehow maybe my life can flow into him somehow. Somehow you can give him life. Something I don't know. Listen, we, we haven't got to the end of these kind of things. I mean, we're going to see one in Elijah and Elisha where somebody's dead, and they wake up and sneeze seven times. And they go, and you sneeze seven times. They go, what does that mean? So, so here he is. Look what it says. Three times 
He stressed him publicly. He didn't just do it one time and lay there. He got up, he got back down again. Got up, got back down again, and he said, Oh Lord, L-O-R-D, all capitals, oh Yahweh my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. He is making a request, and he's making it very specific. And sometimes when we pray, we get so general, but we don't need to be general. We need to be specific. When we want to pray, don't say just bless somebody. Say, oh Lord, do this. He's praying and says, Lord, let this child's life return. And look what happened. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Now, he already heard the voice of Elijah once because he stopped the rain. He already heard the voice of Elijah because there's the food there's coming every day. He heard the voice of Elijah and the life of the child returned to him and he revived. The life returned. Is that a great little sentence? Life returned. God, by the way, God always answers prayer, right? It may be yes, and it may be no, and it may be wait. And the answer in this particular case was yes. He brought him back. He brought him back. And, and y- y- you could say, well, thank you, but why did you do it the first place? I mean, you know, that's how we think sometimes. But God is saying, Elijah, you have to trust me. You have to trust me in little things. You have to trust me in big things. Because there's a big thing coming. And you've got to trust me because you've got to stand for me in front of the whole nation. You've got to trust me and you've got to be ready. And so look what happened. This is so great. I love this verse, these verses. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son is alive. Can you imagine that mama? taking that baby and giving him to Elijah and watching him go up and then watching him come down and say, here he is. He's alive. That's big. Don't you think that's big? That is amazing. And look at the response. Look what, look what she says because it's pretty powerful. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and the word of the Lord is in your mouth is truth. Now, we would, could say, well, didn't you already think he was a man of God? Because, I mean, the thing didn't ever run out. She says, you're from God. You're a prophet from God. I know you are now, because what have you done? Not only have you fed us, which I thought was pretty ridiculous and amazing that you now did that, but now you brought my son back to life. I mean, it's amazing. She said, I know, and the, the word of the Lord is in your mouth, whatever you say is Truth. Have you ever thought about the, the, the word? Think about this. First of all, there's the living word. Who is that? That's Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but him. He's the word of God, the living word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. He is the living word of God. There is also the written word of God, which is the Bible. Thy word is truth. The Bible is true. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. The written word, thy word is truth. She says, whatever comes out of your mouth from God... Is true. It's true. She says, whatever you say from God is the truth. And let me tell you something. When we read this, let me ask you a question. Do you actually believe there was an Elijah and there was this woman and that he raised this woman from the dead? You believe that? Why do you believe that? Because you believe the Bible is what? It's true. You know, there are people who don't believe things like this. 
Now, I've had people say to me, oh, I believe there was a Jesus, but I don't believe there was a Jonah and a fish, and I don't believe that kind of stuff. I don't believe they actually parted the Red Sea and came across on that. And so they don't believe that because they don't believe that the Word of God is true. I believe that the Word of God is true in every aspect. Whatever it says, even if I don't even grasp it all, I say, I don't, know, I don't understand it yet, but whatever it's saying is right because it's always what? It's always true. It is the Word of God. It is alive and powerful and sharpening to its sword. It is truth. And we got to know that. That's what she says. She says that the word of the Lord in your mouth, whatever you're saying, because he's a prophet, is truth. Wow. So let me give you some applications before we break to go to the room. The first one is this. Let's remember that the events and the circumstances of our lives are training us for service to God. Think about that. Elijah had to trust God. He had to trust him by the brook. He had to trust him when he first went to the widow. Now he's got to trust him when this little boy dies. And the same is for us. And sometimes God brings something in our lives and we've got to trust him. And then he brings something else bigger into our lives and we've got to trust him. And he brings other things <coughs> into our lives. And we have to trust him. That is the plan. And so what we really want to do is learn from the trials. That's what we want to do. He's shaping us and conforming us to be like Jesus Christ. So in the circumstances of of our lives, go to God in prayer. That's what Elijah did. As soon as that happened, he went to the Lord and and, and lifted up his prayer. Obey the word of God. I mean, don't, don't live contrary to Scripture. Try to live according to the Scripture in the training. And then the third is honor God with what we have. And that's all that's all we've ever seen Elijah do. Honor God with what he has. And so when the trials and the problems and the circumstances come, that's what we do. There's a second thing to remember is let's realize that God is the life giver. He brings life. He's the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, he's the way and the truth and the life. And just like that little boy, God is the life giver. And just like that little boy who died, God is the life giver that raised him up. Elijah didn't raise him up. I don't understand that. Elijah is an instrument. Elijah is an instrument of God. He's a prophet of God. He's giving the word of God. He's announcing it. His whole plan in life is that God is going to use him to stand against a fallen world and a fallen king. But he's an instrument. Elijah doesn't have the power to raise anybody from the dead. Only God has the power to raise the dead. Only God has the power to forgive sins. That's why when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, and they went, hey, who do you think you are? And he said, oh, wait, which is it easier, to say, get up and walk, or say your sins are forgiven? We'll just show you, no, I can say sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. See, Jesus is the power. Elijah is just an instrument. Elijah is a prophet of God giving out the word of God to stand in a fallen world. And just as the little boy came back from the dead uh, that day, you realize that all people, that he's the life giver, all people are going to come back from the dead. Every human being will be raised from the dead, some to live forever with Jesus Christ called eternal life, and some raised forever to live separated called the second death or the lake of fire. And whoever believes in Jesus Christ will never perish but have what? Everlasting life. Wow, he's the life giver. May we trust God who who is the life giver and is working all these things.